Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Uh, Let's begin in verses 7 through 8, which read, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Lord, we come and we ask of you to reveal your will to us, Lord, to teach us in the area of prayer and trust and open our minds and our hearts to who you are and your nature towards us and who we are in Christ Jesus and the riches that have been lavished upon us, Lord, in him. Lord, what a, what a tremendous treasure we have. Open our hearts, Lord, that we would understand and our minds that we would know you more and and just our lives that we would worship you more fully. And so we come and we ask of you and we know that you'll answer according to your will in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we're on the home stretch of what is called the sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through seven, Matthew five through seven is the sermon on the mountain. Uh, We're in chapter seven, obviously we're towards the end of it, but Jesus is focusing once again on the area of prayer. He comes back to the area of prayer. He's mentioned it uh, before in in chapter six. And if you remember, he taught us about prayer in chapter six, uh, that prayer is to be without hypocrisy. In other words, uh, we're not just to have a public prayer life, but actually anything public that we do, it comes out of a private time with the Lord. That we have a private prayer life, a quiet prayer life. And, And the Lord warned with the backdrop of the Pharisees who are always doing everything in a way that everyone could see what was going on because they wanted the praise of, of men and they wanted the praise of people. And we have that tendency in our own hearts to uh, do religious things so that people think we're religious when inside we're actually, we're, we're, we're struggling and we're not on and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus says, man, I want you to have an authentic prayer life with God. And it begins in the secret and the quiet place. Prayer without hypocrisy, not and if your motives are to be seen by men, then there's your reward. And it's like, that's just a horrible reward. You want the reward from your father, which is eternal, which doesn't end. And he says, he who sees in secret will reward you openly. So and Jesus encourages us to have a prayer life with the father that was at without hypocrisy. We read about that in chapter six and six. And he also taught us, he taught us how to pray in another, in I think Luke chapter in Luke's version of this, he says, they asked, Hey, teach us to pray. And then he does the Lord's prayer. Right. And so he teaches us to pray that pray that prayer is to be directed towards our father in heaven, who is hallowed. That is set aside. He's holy. He's unlike anyone else. And not only is our prayer to be directed towards heaven, the purpose of prayer is that his will would be accomplished. And we, we see that it's, a, you know, that we pray that his will be done just as it is in heaven. In other words, in your throne room, just as you do it in your, in, in your kingdom. Well, obviously that's expansive, but just as you have with have things done there, have it done here on earth in my heart, start in my heart and work your way out to the people around me. That's what we were just singing about. And so Jesus taught for unhypocritical prayer and he taught how to pray, uh, you know, directed towards the father that it's to be um, focused on his will. And that is the key to prayer that you're praying his will. And, and in prayer, we then come to him and ask him, we ask for our needs. How many of you have needs? And he just gives two examples. Lord, give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. So physical and spiritual. So there's practical needs you have. You come to God and ask him for your practical needs. 
He wants us to get in the habit of that, but also our spiritual needs. Lord, forgive us. Lord, there's a great debt that I have towards you. Forgive me of my sin towards you when we sin, because we do, because we're, we're in process. Although we've been redeemed, we're being sanctified, right? We're not there yet. And so beyond that, he said, then he goes and ask for protection, ask for provision. So lead us not into temptation. God, my heart is prone to wander, right? My heart's prone to wander. Keep me from going down that path. Lead me not into temptation. Not that God would ever lead us into temptation, but he would keep us from that path. Right. And, and deliver me from the evil one, either because he got me or because he wants to get me. <laughs> so deliver us. And so this is our prayer life. He not only taught us to have unhypocritical prayer, but also how to pray. This is Jesus explaining these things to us. And it's beautiful. And as we jump back here in chapter seven, verses one through, uh, uh, sorry, seven eleven, And it should be called like the seven eleven prayer, the all the time prayer, right? Uh, that's kind of the idea here. Uh, Jesus now focuses and he wants us to know that God wants to answer our prayer. How many of you approach God thinking like he, he's like, Oh gosh, man, this is like gambling. I don't know if I'm, I, I usually never win. Oh, you guys shouldn't be gambling. I'm just saying, but you know, it's like, okay, Lord, are you ever going to answer my prayer? Like, can we come to this with this just doubting attitude? And Jesus just wants us to know, who is your father? You need to know who your father is. And he's just opening the disciples minds to who their father is in him. The access they have, the provision they have, the heart of the father for their kids. And so Jesus wants to square that with his disciples before they go out and lead men, before they go out and bring people to Christ, because they've got to get it in their own heart. Ask. I want you to come and ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find knock and the door will be opened unto you. This is the prayer life that we have the access that we have to our God that we can come and ask and we seek and we knock and God delivers. How, how many of you, does that describe your prayer life? Yeah. And thus the message. <laughs> <laughs> I call it faith that works. And there's a play on words there. Um, but faith that works. That's what I'm calling this. But if you're taking those, Jesus gives us in verses in verse seven, he gives us three actions and three answers, three actions and three answers. This is what God's going to do. So he can, there's things that we're to do and there's things that God does. And this is what he says here. First of all, Jesus says, ask, ask, that's one thing. Write it down. I'm to ask. Now, this is one of the most glaring problems when it comes to prayer in our lives, our Christian life as believers, is we we don't. <laughs> we don't pray. Prayerlessness. And by the way, prayerlessness is a symptom of, of, of a lack of faith. And not in a weird way, but when you trust God and when you know God, you can't help but run to him. You can't help but go to him all the time with everything you've, you're going through because that's his nature. He's your loving father. And so ask is the first thing that Jesus says there in James four, two, if you're taking notes, it's that James says you don't have because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Now there's a context to that. And he's talking about asking amiss and asking with wrong motives. And that's part of it too. But 
If you don't ask, you're not even going to learn how to, how to pray. You're not even going to learn how to have a conversation with God and let him guide and, and, and teach you and show you as you pray. And as you dialogue, how many of you have learned how to do something from your parents by being with them and talking with them through things and them demonstrating it. And then you did it wrong or then they came and they showed you, Oh no, it's like this. And they modify it. See, if we don't even get, to the place where we're in conversation and talking with God and asking God, it's hard for him to direct us. It's not saying it's hard, but we lose out. So I want to encourage you this week to ask your heavenly father, start asking him about everything in your life. And so he says, ask, you know, so often we forget to ask and I'm guilty of this, just a personal example. And I'm going to speak, draw from my personal examples this week. I kind of feel guilty about that, but I think it's out of fine. The other week I was anxious over something. And then as I was teaching and preparing to teach you, God's reminding me, right? Don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious for anything. Why are you anxious about this? And I have this anxiety going on in my life over a situation. I was, and, and, and I didn't go to the Lord and I'm like, okay, I've got to figure this out. How many of you are like really good figuring it out people? And you know, well, let's just shortcut that and just go straight to God and let him do the management part. You know, that would be helpful. And so I was, I was anxious and I, and I hear I'm preaching. And then I was reminded, I was encouraged my own self as I was preaching to you. I'm like, yeah. Like, don't be anxious, like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be taken care of. And, and so I just, I went home and, and, and I put the thing on God's place. God, this is yours. I love you. And, and this is what you said. And, and I don't want to be irresponsible, but here it is. And man, the next day he answered, I was like, oh my gosh. What a waste of time and energy and worry and all that kind of stuff. And like, here I am teaching you guys. Okay. I'm learning. I'm a sheep. Bah. All right. <laughs> so he just, God answered immediately and directly in the circumstances I was so bothered by and how encouraging that was to my heart. Now I know these verses, but I forget. Anyone else forget? Anyone forget to pray? Forget to ask. And then you kind of start working up a, a mental paradigm. Well, in order to ask, I got to do these 15 things in order to approach God. And it's like, no, the blood of Jesus kind of just wiped that away where you can just run in and ask. And by the way, as you go in and ask and you're in the, the uh, you're, you're approaching God, his holiness is going to work with the about, he's going to convict us of our sin and we confess and all those types of things. And there's a clear direct line and we go, you know, so this isn't just like an ATM but there's that relationship there and God wants us to be involved in that. Listen, he is the source of everything you need. Everything I need. He is the great provider, the loving father. And I know some of us, you know, of you talking to the church and people in general, we, we often don't have good examples of parents. Sometimes that's a reality in this life. He's nothing like us in that he's perfect. He's good. He's loving. He cares to the, and he knows you inside and out. Now I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm on the conviction side of things a lot, but I want to encourage you in this. As I see Jesus just showing us the heart of the father, come to him and ask and it will be given to you. Now we know that asking is not for, for his benefit. It's not like we're asking. He's like, Oh no, I didn't know you needed that. 
He already told us in chapter six, like, you're not going to impress me with long prayers. Yes. Okay. You can pour out your heart and all that stuff, but I already know what you need. It's not really for his benefit. Is it? He already knows. So whose benefit is prayer for ours. And what's an expression of is an expression of faith, trust that I'm actually going to God, that I'm calling out to him. I'm laying my heart before him. He already knows. And so prayer is for us to come into communion with our heavenly father and begin to dialogue and ask of him. He wants us to ask of him, by the way, asking the tense of this Greek verb uh, that is, or the Greek word here to ask is not like a one-time ask. It is keep asking. And by the way, it's keep seeking and keep knocking. And it's not that you just keep asking over the same thing. The idea is that it's a lifestyle of asking. God wants you to just constantly be going to him to ask him. And I think this goes back to the garden of Eden. When Adam was walking with God day in, day out, do you think God just downloaded every single thing that Adam was to know? And he, there was just no need for God. No, they were walking together. There was a dialogue. I'm sure God was teaching him and asking and Adam was asking. God was growing. This is the relationship, but Adam went to something else. He went to the knowledge of the tree and good and evil. Instead of that dialogue with God, asking God and walking with God day in, day out. And, and how often do we seek, do we forget to ask because we're going to some other tree? When man, we need the tree of life. He's made us for this fellowship with him. He's bought us for this fellowship with him. He wants you to come into his presence. He's sent his own son and shed his blood to draw you near not to push you away. He gave you grace, not to only give you grace now, but in the future, uh, grace unfathomable. This is the relationship we have in Christ Jesus. And so uh, God desires that you come to him, that he may provide for you. And when you ask, we are demonstrating faith, knowing that he will provide. So prayer is for our benefit and to God's glory. And Jesus says that when you ask, and here's the promise associated with it, ask, and it will be given to you. Pretty cool, huh? Ask and it will be given to you. The promise of God for us is that we ask of him and he will give us what we ask. And obviously the context here is if it is according to his will, he's talking to disciples here. Amen. Amen. Okay. So just want to make sure that I don't need to go back into John 15 and say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you'll ask. That's the context. It's not Lord Lamborghini. You know, you know, cause if you keep reading that James verse, he says, you don't have, cause you don't ask and you don't have, because you ask a miss that you may spend it on your own flesh, your own pleasures. That's, that's not the kind of asking he's talking about. And then you're like, oh man, I don't want to ask. It's like, yeah, that's the problem, huh? We kind of got to ask according to his will. Well, I don't want to ask according to, I want my will. Can he answer my will? Mm, you're going to have a horrible prayer life. But when you start to ask according to his will, you're going to find out it's better than whatever you're asking for way better in relationships and provision and joy and everything he has for you. But not only is Jesus calling us to ask, he's calling you to seek. He's calling me to seek him. Seek. This is faith church. Uh, now there are circumstances where 
where we are just to simply wait and trust when we ask God, there are circumstances and we need wisdom for that. And we pray for that, right? That's, that's the exception there. But then that goes without saying, but what I think Jesus is addressing here is putting feet to our faith, faith that works. And this is important. It's not God helps those who help themselves. So get rid of that. That's not in scripture. What he's saying is that when you pray, Faith will go after the answer. It will seek God's will in the circumstance. Does that make sense? You're not just praying and going, oh gosh, I can, you know, you go for it. And this is how God works. This is how he works all the time in us. So for example, as we come before the Lord and, and, and maybe we as a church or you individually, you're praying for the lost. You're praying for someone who's just out there and you just pray and you pray and you pray. But do you ever communicate the gospel with them? Do we ever reach out and show them the actual practical love of Jesus Christ? Do we help them? Do we invite them to a life group or into a, in, into our house or whatever it might be? Do we actually put feet to our faith, faith that works? James says there in chapter two, you say, I have faith, but I'll show you my works. By the way, this is what Martin Luther had struggled with. A lot of people they didn't like James very much, but what James was saying is that faith works. This is important. Our faith is demonstrated by good works. So if we believe something, our actions will, will line in according to that. Does that make sense? Make sense. If I say, I love you and I never demonstrate it. Do I love you? The answer is no. Right. All the wives are gone, so I don't get many amens right now. But you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Guys, <laughs> we say we love them and we don't ever do anything to demonstrate that love. Then our love is shown to be invalid. And as we pray and we ask God for something, not only do we ask, but we seek for God's will in that circumstance. We seek after it, you know, for example, if, if, if you need a job, oh God, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job, but you never actually go out and try to get a job. Now God can bring a job to you and he does do that. I don't want to dismiss God from how he can do stuff. Amen. But there is something amiss when we pray for something and then we don't go after it. Make sense. Now I'm not talking about praying after worldly things, praying after carnal things, praying after, you know, things that we need to wait on. Like Lord, I need a wife. And then you just obviously go get a, get a wife, right? It's like, you got to probably have some wisdom in that. Right. 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 Amen. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of waiting and, and, and wisdom there, but in general, and when we pray for the lost, then do we go minister to them and seek them and reach out to them? Do we actually do that? And we wonder sometimes, you know, ask and it will be given to you, but seek and you will find God wants you to enjoy the journey of faith with him. You pray and you ask, and then he leads you on a journey. Listen, I didn't just sit here and go, you know, uh, Lord, I know I've got to teach this Sunday. I hope you bless them. <laughs> what happened? You know, and, and, and again, I'm using myself as an example. I was thinking about this is I prayed for you. I prayed that God's word would, would, would impact you and that, that I would teach it correctly and properly and all those types of things. And then I read his word and I read about his word and I prayed until that thing was baked in my mind and my heart. And then I wrote it down word for word. Cause that's how I do it. 
and I wrote it down. And then I came in this morning and spent more time on it. And I prayed about it. And, and here I am and I'm, and I'm doing this thing. See, this is a product of prayer and of faith. And, and it's not for, because I'm, it's like God's taught me over the years, pray, but move. Like you got to fall. You got to lean into what God's asking you to do. Amen. How many of you are praying for change in your work or praying for change in your family or praying for change in someone, uh, you know, God would might have you to step out. Amen. Amen. You know, encourage or lean in or say something or do something or begin to gather people together. And, you know, this is how it works out. So this is what we, what we're to do. Oh, how we miss out when we don't seek him in what we ask of him, you know, seek him out on what you're asking for him. So you see prayer isn't just asking. It's also seeking for the answer. And guess what Jesus says? Here's the corresponding promise. What does he say? Seek and you will what? To find it. And the joy that happens when we find what we're seeking for in prayer. Amen. God will lead you. And by the way, again, the tense of that Greek word is not just a one-time seek. It is keep seeking, keep seeking. I think Luke 18 is a great example of this. Uh, Luke 18, I'm doing this by what from I remember about uh, Jesus does a parable. There's an unjust judge and a widow and the widow keeps bringing her petition before this judge. And the judge just like is bothered by her. She's like, leave me alone, leave me alone. But she keeps bugging him, keeps bugging him, keeps bugging him, keeps bugging him, keeps bugging him. And finally, because he is so annoyed, he goes and answers her prayer. And then Jesus flips it around on the end. And he says, and he puts it in God's language. Listen, if God is a just judge, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. If God is a just judge, how would he treat us when we come to him? But then he ends it by saying, but when the son of man returns or when I return, will I find such faith on the earth? While I find people who are continually seeking me prayerlessness. And this is, Part of, and I think verse one there is like, he went to teach his disciples that he should not pray and never lose hope, pray and never lose hope. So we're to seek him. And that leads really to the third point. Cause let me say, we can pray and we can seek, but the answer isn't always there. And this is why Jesus says here to knock and the door will be open to you. And by the way, guess again, the tense of that word of knock is keep knocking. Keep knocking. The idea here is that we often come to a closed door when we pray. And instead of knocking, we just walk away. Oh, closed door. <sighs> See ya. You know, we assume that that's, that's it. Closed door. Goodbye. God doesn't want me here because it got, it got hard. It got difficult. Or I don't like this person or whatever it is. Anyone else? Just me. Yeah. Okay. And, and what often happens is that we ask God, we seek God, we come to an obstacle and then we stop not discerning that it is a door that our father wants to open for us. If we would just knock, just knock. We get so threatened by everything around us. The Lord is looking for people who will ask and seek and knock, just knock. Oh, but the enemy's just they're so big and they're so gnarly and all that stuff. It's like, Oh yeah. But God, remember our father in heaven, 
above all dominions, all powers, authorities. That's who we're praying to come to me, ask, knock. Did I not put this in your heart to show myself strong through you? This is how he works over and over through his people. And so we come to a place where we need to knock. Now, sometimes I want to be clear that the answer is no. And God has led us to that point so that we would know his will, that it is no or not now or wait. And we don't need to grow in our prayer life to discern those things. Okay. Those are, those are realities that we want something so badly. We can blindly run into something and God is protecting us by saying no, or it's not time yet, or they're not ready. I think of Paul and his missionary journeys, how God directs us by opening and closing doors. Flip over to Acts 16, Acts 16, 16, uh, 6 through 10. This is an awesome passage of scripture. So remember this when we knock, okay? Acts 16, 6 through 10. It's up here, but also it'd be great to open up your word, right? So you can see it. Acts 16, 6 through 10, which says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy spirit to speak the word in Asia. That seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Paul's here. He's sent out by the Lord. The Lord sends Paul out on a missionary journey, correct? To go to all these places. And here he goes in that journey. And God says, no, you can't speak the word to these people, but it's the word. Um, no, but it's a good thing. No. And who forbid it there? The Holy spirit forbid them to speak the word in Asia. And so Paul and the gang, they're obviously praying. They're seeking for God's will. They still continue to do what God has called them to do. And so they move. In faith, verse seven. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would what? Would not allow them. What's going on here? Closed doors. God says, no, no. But notice the spirit of Jesus, the Holy spirit, one and the same spirit of God. Another closed door. How many of you get discouraged? I thought God sent me on this journey. I thought I was supposed to preach to people. There's closed doors. It won't happen. Hmm. So they gave up and went home. Let's pray. They kept knocking. They kept seeking. They kept asking verse eight. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man of Macedonia was there standing, standing there, urging him to come, uh, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What was God doing by closing doors? He was directing them, directing them. Relationship closes, opportunity closes, whatever it might be. He's leading and guiding. Now, no doubt we were not in the middle of this. They, I, I bet you some of them were like, oh man, no, we're going to go. You know, they kept trying to push. Maybe I'm just saying if I were there, that would have been me, right? We're just going to keep pushing against us. And the Lord's like, no. And it becomes clear as they're praying and seeking God. This is not his time for this. 
And what we don't know when we read later is that God opened the door for those places on another journey. But I think if you keep reading here, isn't it this when Luke is picked up? I can't remember exactly the author of this book. Troas, right? I think maybe I could be off there. Pretty wild. God had plans that Paul didn't understand, but as he saw it, asked and as he saw it, and as he knocked, even with closed doors, he kept going and God opened the door finally to the ministry. He was calling him to let that be an encouragement to you. If God says no, and the door is closed, it's because he has another open door for you. Amen. I used to deal with this uh, when people would want to be a part of the worship team, but they couldn't sing man, great hearts, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so you're not judging them like by, you know, it's like music is math. And as I'm getting older, my voice isn't working. I'm going, I think I need to vote myself off the Island. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, whatever that means. I haven't even seen one of those shows. I've just heard it. Uh, truly. Um, so, but again, it's like, listen, and I would always encourage them. Listen, if this is a no, then God has a yes for you somewhere else in this body. And to put you in a yes here is going to ruin what he has for you in this other place. Cause that's the Holy spirit directs and guides you. And so church don't get discouraged by no's. No's are, are just a way of God moving you over to a yes. If you're seeking them, amen. Then you don't want to be in the wrong seat of the boat. You want exactly what he has for you and he's Lord. Amen. And so, so too in life. So they persevered and the door was open. So we're to knock when we come to doors, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because this is what faith does. It works. Amen. It perseveres. It believes it keeps seeking God. Jesus says, keep knocking. It'll be open to you. Verse eight. I know we just got through verse seven, but for everyone who asks, receive receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open to them. Now this is a tricky verse because people who would not be discerning here would take this and say, Oh, everyone who asks receives. That's Jesus is not saying that non-believers, anybody who asks God of anything, they just get whatever they ask for. That is not what Jesus is saying. If I said, Hey church, we're having a potluck you know, next week and the church is providing food and everyone can have some. Does that mean everybody on the earth is going to have food at our potluck? No. Who's actually the potluck for the church. And by the way, is everybody at the church going to eat of the food? No, the people who actually come to church that Sunday, they suffer through the sermon. <laughs> And they're so hungry by the end of it. And they actually go out there and they have to get in line and put it on their plate and then put it in their mouth. Those are the everyone's he's talking about. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's the context. This is written to believers, everyone. So Jesus is talking to the family. It's an everyone in the family here who asks, guess what? Your father, your father knows the context is your father, not the world. You guys, the church, if you ask, are you a believer? Do you, is Jesus your Lord and savior? Then ask everyone who asks will receive if it's according to his will. And we grow in that, right? And he who seeks find and uh, finds and, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so that's encouraging, right? So Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to his sons and daughters and saying, this is how the family works. You go to the father. 
you go to him and he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you exactly how you need to be taken care of. How many have some asks this morning? How many of you have been seeking? How many of you have knocked? So I want to encourage you this morning for his to go to him. You know, again, in James chapter four, by the way, this letter says, do you don't, you don't have because you do, do not ask and you ask because you do and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your own passions. You know, I think God teaches us as we go, what are frivolous, dumb prayers. But I think even in the, so, listen, I, God is holy and the standard is always holy, but God also encourages us where we're at. You know, I think he does. I think he answers childish prayers because he's a loving father. I think he just does. He's so good to us. Not that are against his will or immoral, but I mean, oh Lord, you know, I really want to have this trinket or whatever it is. And that's like, he's just a good father. I think he just takes care of us and he, and he, he leads us along. And as we grow in faith, we start to sift out all those things like, Oh, you know what? That was a pretty childish prayer that I was praying. That really wasn't according to his will. God, you're so gracious to me that you kept me from danger. And you also, you know, or maybe he didn't answer something that you you'd prayed and you, you got frustrated with God. You go, Oh, you see the wisdom after a while with him. He's just so good. You know, um, and, and we do struggle with asking for things that we want. Listen, it's not wrong to ask for a, a husband or a wife. If you're younger, those are good things. God's designed those for you. So don't make that, you know, make his will above that. You know, I, I remember being young and asking for a wife. And, and as I was praying, God shaped my prayers. And, and it kind of came down to Lord, give me. And I was reading in James and Peter and some other places, but he was talking about someone who isn't all dolled up, but basically who's adorned with the, the things of Christ. And I said, Lord, that's, that's the woman I need. The one who has that gentle, quiet spirit, the one who is adorned with the things of Christ. And, and as I started to pray, he shaped my prayers and he answered, amen. I've got a godly, awesome wife. Amen. She's not here, but just, I just, let's just say, theoretically, we're all getting older. Outward beauty is fading. I'm getting balder, apparently. You know what I mean? I've grown out, not, I'm no longer growing up. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> these things happen. But man, just the beauty of, of the things that God really wants to treasure us with. He, he grows us in this. I just want to encourage you to ask and let him shape you and don't let the nose discourage you. Realize that he is, he's teaching you. I mean, how many of you have kids and they've asked things and you're just like, no way because it'll destroy you. Right. But then there's other things they ask and you're like, I'll do you one better. Cause that's not, you don't even know how to ask. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to lead you to it. Amen. Because you want what's good for your kids. So too with God for us. God is so good. And here he gives the illustration. I'll just do that. This real quickly. We'll close verse nine. Here's his illustration. Or which of you, if his son asked for him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. I mean, there's the exception. We've got some real crazy people in this world that would do that. 
right? And that's becoming more of a reality as we see. But Jesus is saying in general, parents love their kids. And Jesus's point here is verse 11. If you then who are evil, and Jesus supposes that all people are evil according to his righteousness, he is holy, we are not. That's the standard. We all look at each other and go, oh, they're better than me. And God's like, you being evil. This is what Jesus is saying. You're all evil. If you're all evil, if you all have sin in your heart and by nature, you're selfish people. You, if you know how to do, give good things to your kids, to your children, how much more will your father, who is not evil, who is perfectly good, right? Who is in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. Think about that. Earthly parents giving, you know, doing all the things we do for our kids. Think about God who has none of those problems. Knows how to give you good gifts. Every perfect and good gift is from above. James says he knows how to give you the perfect good gifts. And he has in Christ Jesus. Think about this. When you pray to your father this time, run to him. Say, yeah, Lord, you know, the mess I've got going on and sort my heart out, but here's my call and teach me. If this isn't to your will, then, then teach me Lord. But here's my heart. Here's my cry. Here's what I see in myself, or this is what's going on in that other person, or man, I'm so bugged by this, or Lord, I really want to see this happen. This would be so good for this person and pray and ask and seek. And then, I mean, then, then go and start to see if God would do it. And then knock and learn and ask all these things. God's just got such a beautiful journey for us in this. How much more with our heavenly father, who is not evil, who is our holy, perfect, loving father, all he's compassionate. He'll give us what we need. God loves you perfectly. And he knows what you need run to him this morning. And so I just want to encourage you in that come to the father, ask, seek and knock. And then, in verse 12, just to, to sum it up, he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets prophets. Listen, if God is so good to you, how ought you to be towards one another? We say we love God and we're in relationship with God and we have this connection with God where he is just so good to us. If that's the truth, then that should be reflected this way. Should it not? That's what he's saying. This is my house, my rules. And by the way, that goodness doesn't just get extended in house. That goodness gets extended to our enemies. Not that we cast pearls before swine. We're wise, but we're loving and kind and benevolent as he has been towards us. We are towards the world. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom. And Jesus says, it's narrow and few find it. That's where you go next week. Amen. Lord, thank you so much. We come to you, Father, so good and gracious towards us. And Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts to ask this week. And not only ask, Lord, but we've been sitting around and not letting our faith take root. Lord, I pray that we would seek. And Lord, we're running into obstacles. We would knock. And Lord, where there are those who have been seeking and asking and knocking and you have not yet answered, I pray that you would encourage them not to give up and not to lose hope. 
and that you will in your time answer according to your will. And I pray in the meantime that you would help us and grow us and teach us to trust you. Even when no fruit is on the vine. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all.